Let's pray over God's Word today. Father, I always pray before I preach. Sometimes I don't do it just before, but I've done it on the way to church. I do it in my office. I do it in whispered moments with you. Even before I make the radio broadcast, as many times I sit down before the mic, I I say, Lord, let me, let me speak as an oracle of God today. Let me not speak, Lord, without bringing your authority into this, this word of God that you preserve for us. And, Lord, as I yield myself to you, let me be a vessel of honor, meet for the master to use today. I make my tongue by surrendering to you my thoughts, my heart, my tongue, my life, Lord, before I preach the tongue of a ready rider. So Holy Spirit, just speak to me that you might speak through me. And I'll give you the glory and the honor and the praise. Hallelujah. For it all belongs to you. And help us to have ears to hear, to understand and appreciate what we're about to do here today. The, the, the blood of Jesus, the body of Jesus that was given for us and what it means to us, not just now, personally, and in, in this time frame, but eternally. Hallelujah. And Lord, we'll bless your name for it. And everyone said amen and amen and amen. I want to talk just a little bit about the threefold blessing of the blood atonement. And I just want to mention the word atonement before we go any further because it is that great redemptive word in Scripture. If there wasn't a sacrifice to atone for our sins, there could never be a forgiveness for our sins. And we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And Brother Taylor is going to do that while we're preparing for Holy Communion. Amen. I hadn't forgot you. Don't put up your, your bow yet. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm wondering where to put that, where we have that quiet moment just before we, just before we receive Holy Communion. Atonement is that great redemptive word. If you don't understand atonement, you'll never understand redemption and how precious it is. We were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of a lamb without spot and without blemish. The word redeem means to ransom, to pay a ransom, and that's why it's in the context of silver and gold. You were not redeemed with corruptible things like money. Normally, a ransom is paid with money. Remember when, when, uh, 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 remember when two kings, the two kings of Sodom and Gomorrah, were kidnapped and held for ransom. And remember how God anointed his leader to go down and deliver those two kings under the anointing of God's Spirit. And those kings were so appreciative... They wanted to pay, give a king's ransom <laughs> to the man who delivered them. And remember what he said? He said, he said, if I take this ransom from you, then it will be said that man made me rich and not God. That's probably the, one of the few times you will ever hear someone refuse a monetary gift like that. And did you know God blessed him monetarily because he didn't look to man as his source and he didn't come under the influence of man or the control of man. The Bible said if someone comes in and they, they're rich and they're dressed in rich apparel and you say, you sit here on the front seat 
And someone comes in in shabby clothes and they're poor. They can't contribute much. And you put them in the back row somewhere and seat them. You do show respect to persons. And he said, that is sin. It's sin. I remember my wife and I, we'd been between, we were between starting our ministry and the church we attended and our tithe had accumulated uh, to where we were going, we were wanting to put it in an offering somewhere because we were visiting some churches and ministry. Anyway, we went to a church in Tampa and, uh, and we sat in the back, but we gave liberally and evidently someone told the, the pastor that there was a larger than usual check from a new couple. <laughs> and it was just what we, we, were, we were going to give. It just had accumulated over about a month and a half. And uh, <laughs> after the church, uh, you know, before church, it's hardly noticed. Nobody hardly noticed we came in. But after we gave liberally, uh, after the church, the pastor came and, and he, said, he grabbed me by the hand and he said, It's good to have you, brother. <laughs> And I thought, yeah, I bet it is now. (laughs) Nobody said a word when we came in, but he said, are y'all going to lunch today? Are y'all going anywhere for lunch? He's going to take us to lunch. And I thought, you know, immediately I thought he doesn't get what the Lord is trying to say. What we're talking about today can't be bought with silver and gold. The precious blood of Jesus Christ. Never related to money. That one thing wrong with, nothing wrong with sowing seed. The law of sowing and reaping is God's law. My son asked me, he said, is God punishing me for all these these, these things that I, I did in the past? And, and I said, son, God doesn't have to punish you at all. Your choices have consequences. Amen. My choices have consequences. God is not mocked. Whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. God doesn't have to. to and, and it's not that he doesn't chasten his own. It, it, the, the point is, the devil wanted to paint God as a harsh, hard-hearted disciplinarian. He wanted to put that off on God instead of our choices have consequences. If I choose to drink, there's consequences to my physical body. There's consequences to my marriage. There's consequences to my morals. Because when I let down my, my morals because of the drink, I'm going to do things I wouldn't have done sober. If I drive my car while drinking and I hit someone and they die, I'm in jail and I have the conscience now of, of, of someone's death hanging over me. My life has been, for all practical purposes, ruined by that event. And it's not God punishing me, it's my choices and the consequences. I said, son, what happened in your body is the consequences of your choices. The good news is, you can come to Christ, and when you do come to Christ, and He has come to Christ, amen, that past can be eliminated, and healing and restoration can come. Because when you're forgiven, that vicious circle, that law of sowing and reaping, that vicious, one translation calls it the vicious circle of sin and death. Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 7 says it this way. It says, Way down in the seventh chapter. By the way, when you read through these chapters in the Bible, they were only put there for translation. There are 
chapter changes where there should only be a comma in the letter that was written. So you don't take one chapter and relegate it up here, the next chapter and separate it from it. So as you get down in the last chapter, Romans 7, Paul is wrestling because he knew that, that keeping the law perfectly was what was considered righteous back then. And they nobody ever did it. He claimed it. He said, the things I once counted gain, I count now as but dung that I might know Christ. What did he count as gain? He enumerated. He said, if any man can boast in his religiosity, his practice of the Jewish religion, he said, I more. I'm a Jew of the Jews. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. I was circumcised the eighth day according to the law. And while we're on the subject of the law, I am blameless. Well, no, nobody's blameless. Can you say, man, nobody's sinlessly perfect, but the self-righteous think they are. And that's why it was so hard for Jesus to reach those self-righteous people. Amen? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no not one. I mean, there's some wonderful people and some wonderfully moral people and wonderfully self-sacrificing, giving people and kind people. But we're not talking about human evaluation. In God's sight, there's none righteous. No, not one. No one can get to heaven without the blood of Jesus. No one. When we first get to heaven, one of the overwhelming things that's going to hit us, because the beauty of the city, the grandeur and the majesty of God on His throne, we're going to have a sense, first and foremost, I without the blood, I without the grace, I without the forgiveness of God, don't belong in a place like this. It's the holy that's going to hit us so hard. How did I qualify? See, you may think you're the holiest thing on two legs down here. Amen? But when you get there, you're going to realize, if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus, I, I don't have the right to walk through that gate. I don't have the right to walk on that street. I don't have the right to look on the face of that Holy One. Amen. But I, 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 I'm not worthy of the blood of Jesus. You're not worthy of the blood of Jesus. But we are made worthy through the blood of Jesus. Can you say amen? So I'm not going to hesitate when I get to the gate of that city. Can you say amen? I'm going to boldly walk through the gates of that city because I know what the blood of Jesus has done for me. I'm not worthy of the blood, but I'm worthy through the blood. Can you say amen? Who are these? The angel, uh, the, the question was asked, John asked, who are these? Or the angel asked, who are these conducting John that are coming out of every kindred, every tongue, and every nation? He said, these are they who have come through great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white. How? By practicing their religion perfectly. No, by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. 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 What can wash away my sin? 
And what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. And that's what we're celebrating here today. Praise the Lord. Then the atonement, the, that, that means the appeasement. It means to, that the ransom price has been accepted. And through the atonement, the atoning sacrifice, the appeasing of God's wrath and His justice because of the blood of His Son in our behalf. That's the atonement. Some people take that word at atonement, break it down and and translate it at one moment. It means that we were separate. You can't really do it grammatically, but they're making a point, and that is that we are made reconciled and made one with God through the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. Thank God for that today. Amen. See, when it becomes a given, the first love begins to die. When it becomes something that's just routine. Yes, I'm washed in the blood. Yes, I'm going to heaven. Communion is to take us back to the cross. Take us back to where it all happened. And show us once again just how much God loved us. And just what it means to be saved. Praise God. To rekindle the first love. There are people that could be here today if they love God enough. But what keeps them out is not the circumstance that they're going to use as the excuse. Because if you really love God, you'll overcome that. You ever heard the old adage, I'll be there if the Lord be willing and the creek don't rise. Let me tell you something about if God be willing. If the, Lord's, if the, the Lord was willing to get Israel out of Egypt. And you know what he did to get them out? See, they didn't say, well, if the Lord's willing and the Red Sea wasn't a barrier. If the, no, no. If the Lord can part the Red Sea for His will to be done, He can part your creek. But when you're looking for an excuse not to, one man real good Sunday Bible school teacher. He came and taught for us before I became pastor. I was just attending the Holy Church of God. And he said, uh, he, said uh, he put a fleece out before the Lord. See, he was tired of teaching. Didn't want to do it no more. Didn't want to come to church no more. Because if you teach a Sunday school class, generally they expect you to show up. <laughs> just one of those things that goes with it. And uh, so anyway, he got tired of it, but so he, he, uh, he wanted to quit, but he, he wanted, he wanted the, you know, his creek to rise so he could have an excuse. And he said, he said he, actually, he quit going to church for a season. And, uh, but he said, uh, he said, Pastor, he said, uh, he said, I put a fleece out before the Lord. I don't think he wants me to teach anymore. And here we are in the middle of summer. In the rain, he said, you know what the rain percentage is today? 50%. Chances are 50% it's going to rain somewhere today. This is Florida. It's in the rainy season. So if you want to put out a fleece, find out what God wants. Don't say if it rains this morning. Uh, it's not God's will. Because <laughs> there's a good probability it's going to rain this morning somewhere in the city of Tampa. He said, I put out a fleece, said if it rains this morning, he doesn't want me to teach anymore. And I thought right then, I didn't argue with him. 
I didn't tell him about the part Red Sea. <laughs> Can you say, man, and the creek thing? I thought, if you don't want to that bad, I don't want you to. And God don't need you to. He needs, everybody say, no more junk for Jesus. No more junk for Jesus. Remember me telling you about the, the couple? They went to a church that, that, uh, uh, th- that really had some old equipment. They had a baby grand that had to be tuned uh, about every two months. Because if you, play, especially in a Pentecostal church, if you play the piano like Jerry Lee Lewis, amen, <laughs> it don't stay in tune. It was just old. The strings were old. And, and it wouldn't, the man would come and tune it, and you pay to have it tuned. And then two months later, it's back out of tune. And uh, if you don't have a musical ear, you may not hear it. But, but it needed tuning. And uh, they, they had, a, they had a, a, a baby grand piano. And they ordered for themselves a grand piano. They cleaned out what that used to be a, a family room, and they turned it into a, a place where they could put a grand piano. And she played piano, not for the church, just for her personal. And for her, their anniversary, he bought her a brand new grand Baldwin Yamaha, one of those name brand. They're expensive. This is the full grand piano. <laughs> you worked on this building, didn't you? When we came here, that whole back bedroom, there wasn't, that was all one room, not a men's room, and then that room, that was all one room, put up petitions. We, how many walked in on the good concrete and didn't have to go through the mud getting in that, that see this fellow right here? That guy right there? Yeah, point at him. This guy right here, he is responsible for that. So every time you walk in and don't walk through the mud and stuff, that, that long walkway, that was poured right there. They, they come. He, he did all of that. Thank you. We, we, we think of you now every time. People that didn't know that. Amen. Think of you every time. Think of this. This was a bedroom. But they had a baby grand back in that bedroom because the pastor's wife, this was a parsonage after it was an orphanage. And she played the baby grand. They got their baby grand piano ordered. And the day before it was to be received, nobody had asked for anything. But they were thinking. You know, the churches, or the grand is coming. The church's old baby grand is in bad shape. They have to have it tuned. It won't hold a tune. And they had a, a good baby grand, real good shape. And see, God put it in their heart. He looked over at his wife. He said, honey, we got a perfectly good baby grand piano. And all we use it for is our personal pleasure. And everybody listening to that pastor tell the story thought they gave their good baby grand to the church and they got the grand in their home. You know what they did? They called up the company and then they called the pastor. They said, there's a company going to deliver a piano to the church tomorrow. So you won't have to have that old piano tuned all the time. They gave the brand new grand piano to the work of the Lord. Is it all right to honor the Lord, even materially? That He deserves something more than our leftovers? 
Amen. It's all about honor. I've said it before here recently. I thought of that true story. He said, today we're in a consumer-driven society where people are asking, what's in it for me? But he said, there was a day when Christian says, what can I do for God? Can you say, man, how can I bless the Lord? How can I serve the Lord with all my heart, my soul, my body, and my stuff? Hallelujah. There was a day. And I believe when people really fall in love with Jesus, he, he, won't be, he won't get leftovers anymore. The Bible's here's the biblical principle. Honor the Lord with the first fruits of all of thine increase. And guess what? When you honor God like that, what does he do for you? Then, not until then, but then thy barns will be filled to overflow. They shall burst forth with fatness. Hallelujah. God is going to bless you back. Amen. Hallelujah. Because you honored him and put him first. It's a kingdom principle. Seek ye first the what? Kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that so many people are compromising to get shall be added to you. And on top of that, you'll be right with God and God will bless you. Your father knows what you need. And he said, you won't be like the Gentiles. You're a different people. You're a people that that can have my favor and you're a people that can have my blessing. Hallelujah. Praise God. We didn't have nothing to give. We, 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 at our church, we, we, were, we, were, <laughs> we didn't even understand how we were giving because we were going in the hole every month until we started giving. We started giving, we came out of the hole. And uh, God was so good to us. <laughs> and we didn't have nothing to give. And a missionary, we had a church of about 150 people that I, we were attending in Plant City. And, uh, <laughs> and nobody... Uh, could help the missionary get donated goods to the Miami airport. So my wife and I didn't have any money left over to give, so we borrowed my stepdad's Ford pickup truck. And he had gassed it up, said, can we borrow it? We'll re- we'll, when I get paid, I'll, I'll pay you back for the gas. He said, sure, you can use it, because he was going to go on the road in his tractor-trailer. And we fill that bad boy up put with, with goods, tied it down, didn't have enough money to eat on the way. I guess we'll fast and pray for a while here. Amen. Went down Alligator Alley, the back way to Miami Airport. Got, that's where so many miracles happened along the way. But we wanted to do something for God. See, if you, wanna, if you love the Lord and you want to serve Him, you'll find a way. Praise God. Amen. Oh, yeah, you'll, yeah, things that get you, get you sidetracked won't get you sidetracked anymore. Hallelujah. If a man loved me, he'll keep my commandments. And they won't be grievous to him. He won't look like he's been baptized in vinegar. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. It'll be a joy to serve the Lord, not a job to serve the Lord, a privilege. Honor him with the first fruits. Of all thine increase, then shall thy barns be filled with plenty. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Take, no, take ye no thought 
for what you shall eat or drink or wherewith you shall be clothed. Consider the lily of the field. Solomon, in all of his glory and riches, was not clothed as one of these. If God so clothed the lily of the field, can he clothe you, O ye of little faith? Can you say, man, never be afraid to honor God with... See... I don't know how we got here. I do know how we got here. We're getting ready to make a move, and God doesn't want my leftovers. I'm not about to give him what's left of my life. I'm giving him what he's given me. He raised me up from a stroke, and I could have went home or been paralyzed and debilitated. But he raised me up because he's not done with me. And you know what? I want to honor him with the first fruits. Of all the blessings that He gives me. I want to preach for Him now more than I did when I first got the call. I'm not tired of preaching. I'm tired of all the junk that goes along with it. Amen. I don't like the junk that goes along with it. But I love the Word of God. And I love the God of the Word. And I love to serve Him with everything I have and everything that I am. I'm getting that uncle Bud Robinson attitude. He said, Lord, help me to kick the devil as long as I got a foot. To bite him as long as I... To hit him as long as I got a fist. To bite him as long as I got a tooth. And then help me to gum him till I die. Can you say amen? So Uncle Bud say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pour it on as long as I have life. As long as I have a voice, as long as I have strength, I'm going to pour it on. Hallelujah. And I feel like pouring it on. I don't feel like drying up and caving in. There's a lot of people turning back. A lot of people going back. Because a lot of people are looking back to this world. But I told the Lord, I said, Lord, as we go forward, no more junk for Jesus. Because not only does it not honor him, it dishonors him. If I give him what's left of my life, after, after my, my bowling league, my golf tournament, and my hunting trip, and I got a little bit of energy for Sunday that I can drag myself to his house and tolerate that one-hour worship service, if, if I'm not too wore out, from my lodge meeting. Can you say, man? That's leftovers, honey. That's leftovers. That's there's no honor in that. That's what's left after I've indulged myself. There's always time for me. There's always energy for what I like to do. If Margaret used to be Medeiros, now what's her new name? But anyway, Janung, when she used to attend church, she was a yard sale back then. She was a yard sale fanatic. She said, I get up at daylight. I go down into where the good stuff is. I mean, if you're going to a yard sale, don't go to Sulphur Springs. Can you say, man? Or Six Mile Creek. <laughs> go where the good stuff is. If we were in Plant City, we'd go to Walden Lake, the gated community, and see what they're putting out there. She, would, she said, I would go at daylight. And they don't even set up until 8 or 9 o'clock. See, all the dealers get out there early to get the good stuff. 
before the rest of us poor folk get there and take what's left. Amen. <laughs> she said, she said, I get up at daylight and said, if they haven't got it out there, she's bold. She said, I'd go up and knock on the door and say, y'all, 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 y'all ready for the yard sale? She said, Honey, we ain't even had breakfast. Come back in an hour. She'd come back half an hour. <laughs> when they opened that garage up. <laughs> she was a yard sale fanatic. While we're on fans and fanaticism, which is a fan is a shortened form of fanatic. Amen. Truthfully. We, I use Terry because he's a fisherman. Here's another fisherman. My stepdad used to get up. He'd say, Bobby, there's another fisherman right there. In fact, we got a fisher girl right over there that caught a fish. Amen? Any more fish? There's a fisherman. Amen? We didn't go to Lake the Sasso. We went to Lake wherever, you know, with my stepdad. Okeechobee. We had to get up early, set the clock for 5, wake up at 3.30 without an alarm. Why no alarm? How'd you wake up? Because we're going fishing. Seriously? You're excited. You're going to get there before they've had breakfast. Cheeseheads. You know who cheeseheads are in football? Amen? Wisconsin. Green Bay Packers. You look at a football stadium in Green Bay filled with those people. It is 10 below with a wind chill factor of 30 below. And they're sitting in the stands, shivering and cheering for their team. Because they're enthused about it. Football fans, sports fans, put the church of Jesus Christ to shame. Pan the average church on Sunday morning and look for enthusiasm. I don't mean look for people there. I showed up. Here I am. I brought my old dead carcass in. Can you say, man? While they sang, while the choir sang, when the saints come dragging in. Can you say, man? Ain't no marching in. And if any little thing comes up, it don't take much. To dissuade us, because that's not high on the list. The worship of God is not high on the list. Amen. Because the honor of God is not high on the list. The Word of God is not high on the list. Because the honor of God is not high on the list. But when people decide to honor Him with the first fruits of our energy, of our time, of our talent, to give Him the best, not the leftovers of our life, our barns are going to burst forth with fatness and be filled with plenty in other words god is going to bless us to be a blessing hallelujah but you can't honor god with your leftovers that's why they said in malachi why do we fast and you see not why do we pray and you don't answer while they practiced their religion to the letter but they took the cow that was about to die. They took the ox that was sick and diseased that couldn't profit them at all, and they took it in and threw it on God's altar. And then they wondered why God wasn't thrilled with that. Why God did not show favor and blessing with that attitude. Amen? So Malachi is not about money. 
That's secondary down the line. That's Malachi 3. Malachi 1 precedes Malachi 3. And it's all about honoring God. If I be a father, he says to Israel, where's my honor? Where's my honor? Brother Taylor, I want to sow into people that would dare to honor God with their life. Because sowing into people that don't have it in their heart to honor God is wasting the seed. It's wasted. Because no matter what the Scriptures tell them, they're not going to love God enough to give Him first place in their life. They want His leadership without His Lordship. You can't have it. Not until you surrender all. You've got to surrender for God to lead you. And you've got to surrender because you love Him enough and honor Him enough to bow to Him, even at the expense of your own flesh and your own self-indulgence. To follow Jesus starts with that qualifying factor. Deny thyself. Today we've got a self-indulgent gospel out there. Indulge thyself so God can bless you to indulge yourself even more. Amen. To follow Christ, what must we do to be thy disciple? He said it starts with denying yourself and then taking up your cross and then following me, following through, fleshing it out, living it. You see, a disciple is not just learning what your teacher knows biblically. It's not just knowing the Scriptures, therefore, or having the correct theology. Amen. A disciple of Jesus is not just knowing what your teacher knows. It's becoming what your teacher is. There's a vast difference in knowing what the Bible says. There's some people out of church today because I know enough Scripture. I know enough Scripture. It's not about how much Scripture you know. It's how you model Jesus Christ when you walk out of this building. You follow Him by modeling Him. Be ye followers of God as dear children, Ephesians 5 and verse 1. And you know what the word follower means in the Greek? An imitator. I always tell the true illustration of an alcoholic that that deprived his family of food. He'd come home irritated and and like my, my grandpa before he came to Christ. He was a coal miner in Kentucky. He drank heavy. He drank hard. He drank that old moonshine, liquor, 115 proof, if there's such a thing. He'd come home, and his wife was irritated with the kids and said, wait till your daddy gets home. He's wore out from working in the coal mine. He's drunk, and he takes off his belt. And as my mother would tell, he forgot which end of the belt he was holding because he was so drunk, and he beat him with the buckle end of the belt. It just didn't leave whelps from the belt. It, it, it bruised them and hurt them and sometimes caused them to bleed from the buckle hitting them. That's, how my, that's why I'm dead set against alcohol, socially or otherwise. I've seen too many lives destroyed. I'm a teetotaler. Don't need it. Don't want a, don't want a weaker brother to fall. I don't want a glass of wine with my, bring me iced tea. Bring me water with lemon. 
Why? Because I've seen what it did to my son's life and to his family and to his talent and to his testimony. And I've seen what it's done to others. And even if I could handle it, amen, even if I could handle it, I don't want a weaker brother to see me with it and then them get hooked by it. I've got a concern not just for how it affects me, amen. There's a lot of things I can do that's not sin to me, but it will hurt somebody else. And I'm, I want to live a life that helps everybody. Amen. To stay out of the trap of the enemy and to follow Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? How about you? I want to give him my best. I want to honor him. And the Bible said, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. Hallelujah. I glorified God by mowing my yard without a, without a self-propelled mower. Amen. In, in 95 degree heat, my son looked out the window and said, Daddy, I feel so bad because I can't mow anymore because of his arm. And I was out there mowing. In fact, I mowed my yard this week with one hand. Then the other arm missed. <laughs> time I got through mowing with one hand, this arm was hurting. But I was able to mow it. And he said, Dad... Dad, I feel so bad for you. I said, don't feel bad for me. God raised me up from a stroke. I'm not supposed to be able to walk around to talk, to even be alive. I'm supposed to be debilitated according to the nurse and the magnitude of the stroke that I had. But God has healed me. And God has helped me. And every time I mow the yard, amen, I give the devil a black eye and give glory to God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Amen. I'm serious. It's a joy. It's not a job. Hey, look at me. The devil tried to kill me and I'm mowing my own yard in Florida. Hallelujah. Without a push mower. I'm going to drink me some cool water. Say, thank you, Jesus. My wife is going to say, oh, honey, the yard looks so good. She tells me things like that when I do things around the house. I did the dishes the other day for her. She said, honey, I'm telling you the truth. Nobody can do the dish as good as you. (laughs) You're the best I've ever seen. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, okay. Yeah, I get it. I get it. They used to get a young lineman when I worked for Tampa Electric. They'd get a young apprentice lineman. They'd get him up on that pole. He's wanting to make a good impression. He's an apprentice, wanting to become a journeyman, get his pay raises. They'd get that poor boy up on that pole, on them hooks, because he's young. He's, he's ready to go at it. And them linemen sit down there with the big char backer. And they'd look up at him. One of them said, boy, because they didn't want to get up there on them hooks in that hot weather. They want, to egg, they want him to do the whole job himself. He's a go-getter. And, boy, one of them look over to us and say, Boy, he's a go-getter, ain't he? You know what they wanted. wanted him to finish the job so they didn't have to get up there on them hooks. Boy, look at that boy. Go. That man can work. I'm telling you. And that guy up there sweating through his clothes, working like crazy. And then one of them would sit back and say, he's the best I've ever seen. <laughs> and that old boy tearing up, about to have a heat stroke while them big old linemen sit down there. <laughs> egging him on to do their job for him. Praise God. Well, I, I want to do a good job for Jesus. We had a guy going to come to our church. He's changed my message, but this is going to be a good communion anyway. Amen. Guy came to our church from Barbados. He's, I told him, I said, Sir, I said, I know you're a missionary. 
And I know, and I don't mind at all giving to your ministry. I said, but I want you to know before you come so you're not disappointed. The reason I told him this, a choir in South Carolina heard our message by tape from someone who lived there. They called our church and asked, can we come and sing for you? They were a gospel choir. And uh, I said, well, yeah. I said, we, we don't have a big church. They said it didn't matter. Well, okay then. <laughs> come on. So they, come on down. Amen. Hallelujah. So they, they had them an old Greyhound bus without the Greyhound on it anymore. Had the name of the choir on the side. There was about, about 15 of them, and they had musicians and singers, and they were good. They were very good. And they drove up, and I had been in the bathroom uh, plunging the toilets for the evening service, wearing my other hat. <laughs> and, and I heard that bus come up, and I opened the side door down in the basement, and they, somebody peeped inside. And, of course, they saw me in a flannel shirt and a pair of jeans with a plunger in my hand. <laughs> and they said, they said, excuse me, uh, could we see the pastor? They wanted to get in early and set up for the evening service. And I said, wait just a minute, and I'll go get him. And I walked back in the bathroom, put the plunger down. I did wash my hands, and I did dry them off. And I came back, and I tried to, you know, much as you can do with a flannel shirt and a pair of jeans. And I came back, and I said, hello, I am Pastor Venable. I was doing a little work downstairs. And I, I mean it. They were, you know, because I had the plunger just five minutes ago. <laughs> I didn't know. Anyway, they came in. And they were looking around this small church that we had. <laughs> and and uh, they, they came in, and we had a song service before they started to sing. I mean, the Holy Spirit come down while we were praising God. Because we didn't give him our leftovers. We give him our best. We weren't waiting on somebody to stimulate us. We came stimulated. Glory to God. And we sung, and they knew right then that they'd made a mistake in coming to a church without checking out the size and the scope of it. And they told me, they, they didn't say it in a bad way, but after the service, and we gave them, we added to their offering to pay for their gas and their trouble and all of that. But I could tell they were disappointed in their turnout. And, and they, said, they said, we heard your tape, and we thought that church must be at least six to 800 people. Well, there you go. I don't preach like I'm preaching to 50 people. I don't have a sermonette. Because we're a small ministry don't mean that God is any less God. Hallelujah. I, I pray that if I was invited to Oral Roberts University to preach to the graduating class, that I wouldn't preach any different than I'm preaching to you right here and right now. Why? Because I'm dependent on the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Can you say, man, and you are important to God and He's investing in you. How do you know? Because I've been in churches where it was hard to preach. And for me, that's tough. Because I, I listen, <laughs> man, listen, it's not hard for me to preach. It's hard for me to stop. 
Brother Taylor said, Brother Venables, Brother Ven- yeah, come on, give me some amens back here. Amen. You know it's the truth. Amen. I don't, I, I don't have to wonder where this is going to go. God shows up. I know I've done this too long, Sean. When I walk behind a pulpit, when I pick up a microphone, I'm not bragging. You know it's the truth. God's going to show up and God's going to direct the service and God's going to take the message where he wants it to go and I'm going to preach it, whatever it is. I know the flow of the Holy Ghost. I know when to stay with what I think and when to give place to the Holy Ghost. And I always give place to the Holy Ghost. That's why when I talk about honoring God with the first fruits and we take it out of the money thing and we put it in the commitment and devotion to God thing. They used to sing, to obey is better than sacrifice. I don't want your money. I want your life. Because God knows if he has your life, he has everything else in your life. Amen? But if he don't have your life, he don't have nothing. Because he don't have you. He don't have your heart. So they sang, they got on their bus, and we subsidized the offering to pay for their trouble. But I could tell they wished they hadn't traveled all of those miles not to have an audience. And because Tampa became stale for a while spiritually, I've been here long enough to watch the city go through these things. The singing group Truth would go to Clearwater, St. Petersburg, Lakeland Arena. They would not come to Curtis Sixon anymore. Because they came and they only filled half the building. There wasn't enough interested people to come to pay them to come. They wanted to invest where people would come and worship with them. And it wasn't just about the money. It was about the interest and the enthusiasm. If no one wants to worship, why bother having a worship evening? Jesus hit stale areas. He hit areas where his ministry was dead to them. And he said things like this. It would be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah and Tyre and Sidon than it will be for you in the day of judgment. For if they had heard what you're hearing, if they had the gospel preached to them like it's been preached to you, they would have repented and remained to this day. Can you say amen? But you have heard it. And you haven't repented. You have heard it and you have not received it but rejected it. So the men of Sodom will stand up in the day of judgment. Even though they were destroyed by fire, there's another judgment coming. Another resurrection coming. The resurrection of the unjust. And the men of Sodom will stand in that judgment and condemn you. It will be more tolerable for them than it is you. Because if they had heard what you heard from whom you heard it, they would have responded, they would have repented and remained to this day. But you heard it and you did not. That's an incredible saying of Jesus about the judgment to come. Is that biblical today? Is that the truth of Christ today? You can't be nonchalant. You can't be... 
you, you have to make a choice when you hear the gospel. You have to respond to him and embrace him or push him away. You can't just be neutral. You can't say, I like him, but I don't love him. No, you can't serve two masters. You can't say, I like Jesus, I respect him, but I don't love him enough to serve him or put him first. You can't serve two masters. For you will love one and hate the other. You can't love one and like the other. God is a jealous God. Why? To keep us from the temptation to bow to other gods. It's not because He needs our worship. God is self-sufficient. God doesn't need our worship. We need to worship Him. God was doing fine before He created us. Amen? That's the glory of the gospel. Who am I that God would take such notice of and have such love for? God don't need your worship. There was a preacher the other day. I wanted to slap my TV, but... He came on. He had the audacity. He said, he said, he said the other day I got down to pray... And I felt the presence of the Lord. And the Lord was sad. Really? The God of the universe is so weak and he's sad. If I displease him, listen, it breaks his heart that people are going to hell. But God isn't sad. What kind of, you think he's like us? You think he's some kind of emotional... Listen, if he was like us, he might just decide, you know what? They can call me a liar all they want. Them people don't want to serve me. You know, I'm done with them. Gates of heaven are locked as far as I'm concerned. No, he's not got emotion like we have. He, He has a personality and a character. But he said, God is sad. And I told him, Lord, I'm not going to... I'm, I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to, I'm going to take my, my schedule, and I'm going to say I'm not receiving any calls. I'm not going to take, keep any appointments today. I just want to sit here today and see the man is going to comfort God because God is sad. He said, I asked God, why are you so sad today? He said, because my children, they don't want to obey me. Now, in human terms, that may sound right. I'm sure he's not pleased when people don't want to obey him. But if you think that he is going to cry alligator tears and sit up in heaven and blow his nose all day and have to have some preacher comfort him, that's when the preacher's lifted himself into a place that he ought not be. Can you say, man, is God heartbroken? When he sees people turn away from him, absolutely. Is he going to whine and cry all day? No, he's not. Can you say amen? My daddy didn't whine and cry when I disobeyed him. Oh, maybe you didn't grow up in the 50s. Maybe you do not understand. (laughs) Oh, what's wrong with you, Bob? You know my daddy. Wasn't he a sweet guy? Don't let that fool you. 
do not let that fool you. Sweet as he was. <laughs> He'd been in church enough. <laughs> Spare the rod and spoil the child. Foolishness is bound in the... I don't mean abuse the child. There's a difference. Amen. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. But the rod of correction driveth it. Come on, Hodges kids. Say amen. You know what I'm talking about. Drives it far from him. My dad didn't whine and cry. He said, go get me a limb. <laughs> God don't need that man to stand up there and comfort him. He don't need your praise. God doesn't need your praise. He said when they worshipped Him without their heart in it, bringing those ox in and putting them on His altar and those offerings in Psalm 50, He said, if I was hungry, I wouldn't tell you. Because I own the cattle of a thousand hills. Don't ever think that serving God and worshiping Him and following Him is fulfilling some need in Him. No, that's what you need from Him. You need the blessed barn. I need it filled with plenty. I need His favor. I need my prayer answered. I need His help in the time of trouble. I'm the needy one. That's why I won't ever beg for Jesus. I'll beg for my family ain't too proud to beg. I'll beg for my wife. Food and clothes. If she was needed clothes and had no food, I'll beg for my doggy. I would come to your house and get you steal some cat food from the professor. Because a starving dog will eat cat food. Just put something over the cat on the front of it. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I won't beg for Jesus. I won't beg for Jesus. That's why I went to work for 12 years. Because when people quit coming and quit honoring God, I said, I will provide for my family. They will not do without because people don't love God. I will go to work. And I did it. And you know what? He blessed me to work. My first day on the job at 50 years of age, stacking ice cream, coming down the conveyor belt in the big bundles, I was praying in tongues because I honestly didn't know if I could hold out for eight hours. I held out for eight hours, come home, walked in the door. My wife said, honey, how you feel? I laid down on the floor in the living room. For 15 minutes before I could move. And the next morning, I got up like this. Because you're using muscles you ain't used in all them years. It ain't the same as going to the gym, getting a workout. This is this is stacking pallets and they keep coming. And, and my, my dad told me, he said, son, pace yourself. Son, pace yourself. I said, dad, the conveyor belt is the pace that I have to keep up with. Because if I don't stack it and get a pallet back down and start it again, then it's going to line up and start falling out on the floor. And i got to make a living for my family. Amen. And when a guy that worked there said, you're a preacher of the gospel, aren't you? I said, yes, I am. They said, "Well, listen, listen. What are you? What are what are you doing? What are you? What are you doing here?" I said, "Because I I love my family, and I I didn't say nothing wrong. I just said we got to eat. 
Well, he thought we were going hungry. And we would have. If people don't honor God. And if I provide for not for my family, I've denied the faith. And I'm worse than an infidel. So I said, I can either beg. I watched my pastor beg. And I said, Lord, if I ever go into ministry, I'll never beg. He'd receive an offering. It wouldn't be enough to keep the lights on. 130, 40 people in that church. You keep him humble, we'll keep him poor, was their attitude. And they did. We shared our groceries, and we were barely making them when I first got saved, but we shared our groceries with our pastor. He would pass the, we didn't, he didn't even know who put them there. We'd catch his car gone. We'd go clean out our cabinets with everything we could and some frozen stuff, and we'd sit in two bags on his porch and drive away. He'd get up on Sunday so happy. He said, didn't know how we were going to make it. Couldn't stretch our budget any further, but said, we come home, and the Lord provided. And I thought, yes, he did, and he did through us. And that was the joy of my heart, that he did it through us. That we got to, oh, yeah, that, he, that we got to participate in God's provision for our pastor. As poor as we were, it was a joy, not a job. It was a thrill, not a sacrifice. Hallelujah. 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 When you honor God, it changes everything. Everything changes when you honor the Lord. Hallelujah. And we didn't have to be shamed into it. We didn't have to be threatened into it. It was the the natural, normal thing when we had the first love for Jesus burning in our heart and burning in our soul. I broke down and I cried. I cried at the time clock because a guy that worked there that I knew didn't make a lot of money because they wasn't paying a lot of money in that production plant. But a guy that worked there came up to me and he reached his hand and he, he thought we were really worse off than we were. And he had compassion on me and my family. And he walked up to me and he had some dollar bills crumpled in his hand. He said, he said, Rev... I know this isn't much. I know this isn't much, but here. And I told him, no, 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 no. God's going to take care of us. I'm thankful. They didn't want to hire me. They didn't want to talk to me because I was 50 years old. (laughs) And a friend of my son said, back then I was was a fit 50. I was. I was. Hey, man, I look back and say, here I am 20 years later. Boy, to be 50 again. <laughs> amen. I was in good shape in my 50s. And, and, and Amen. I, 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 one man said that I was getting dressed at my locker, and he said, he's 50 years old. He's still cut. He's still cut. I still had them triceps. And I didn't have to flex them. Stack an ice cream will flex them for you. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. It was a labor job, and I praise God every day of it. Praise the Lord. I wasn't whining. I wasn't crying. You ever hear me whine about having to go get out of here and run to work? You never heard me whine in no pulpit. Hallelujah. God is good. He gave me the strength. He gave me the energy. He gave me the job when I needed it. Hallelujah. And let me be a witness on the job to people that work there and leave a legacy of faith there. 
the fragrance of Jesus is still in that old place. Hallelujah. 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 Led a lady to the Lord at the garbage compressor. <laughs> she said, Hallelujah. I said, Lord, this is so good. You are so good. And a few faithful people stayed together, and that's what we've been doing with the few faithful. People come and people go, but God is on the throne, and God is faithful. And a few faithful people have encouraged me, inspired me that God is just a few faithful, just a few faithful. Hallelujah. The premium is on faithfulness. You say, well, Brother Venable, when are you going to get your ruler over many? When are you going to have this big church? Oh, honey, honey. God said, God said you, you be faithful. I'll bring them from the north, the south, the east, and the west. I thought it was going to be a big old church in the city of Tampa, but there's plenty of them. But there's very few that can say they're reaching the nations of the world. Can you say man? Now that may not mean much to you. Maybe the crowd is more important. But to God it's the souls that are more important than how many people are attending on Sunday morning or Sunday evening. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're in our 10th year, I believe, of radio ministry. It's been counting. It's been a long time. Hallelujah. And that old station has rocked. It's got struck by lightning. Their equipment has burned out. They've got into financial difficulties that look like they weren't going to be able to stay open. They've changed hands with management, but they're still in business. If they stop tomorrow, there's been 10 years, 52 weeks out of the year, invested in the kingdom of God, preaching the gospel. I haven't missed a deadline, haven't missed one time making a broadcast. I don't care what's going on anywhere else. I'm going to be faithful in, in my calling to reach out. And this is a headquarters for that reach out. So if it's not like somewhere else, it's not supposed to be. And we're never going to be. Don't ever compare us with anybody. We're fulfilling the heavenly vision that God has given us. The mandate I have from the Lord is to go into all the world and make disciples out of all nations unto me. And if you listen to the teaching and you take it to heart, you're going to take up your cross and follow Jesus. Hallelujah. God let me stay there for 12 years of my life and never miss a Sunday here because of it. I remember one foreman said i want everybody here sunday we're behind in production i want everybody here sunday and i told him i'm not going to be there sunday i will be there after church sunday everybody say honor everybody say kingdom first well brother what would happen if you got fired well, if the kingdom is first, then I'm going to be good, well taken care of. If God so provide for the lily of the field, he can provide for you. Oh, ye of what? Little faith in God's what? God's promise if the kingdom is first to take care of you. You don't have to compromise. And how do you put the kingdom first? By putting the king in his rightful place in your life. I said, I, I, I can come after the morning service. They said, I want everybody here. They love that authority. You can hear the devil sometimes. I remember when I worked for Winn-Dixie years ago, 
before I became a Christian. I became a Christian, and I told him, I'll, I will take a pay cut to be off on Sunday. My soul needed saturating with the Word. I needed to get built up in God. I wanted everything God had and everything I could get from Him. Amen. I was hungry to get rooted and built up in Jesus. And I said, I will, I will take the janitor job to be off on Sunday. And I tried every way in the world to give up everything I could. I had a color TV when they first came out. I sold that bad boy. <laughs> said, I'll take a pay cut. I'll do anything. Amen. Just let me and my wife go worship God, get in the Word of God, the house of God, because I'm a child of God. Hallelujah. Amen. And boy, the devil, you could hear him. I remember my foreman come in and he said, the man said, see the guy over the warehouse, the superintendent. I, I, I talked to him about what you ask. And the man said, right, it's the way he said it. And it wasn't my anger, Terry. You know what it was? It was the Holy Ghost inside of me. Amen. Listen, the man said, you want to hear what he said? As long as you work here, you're going to do what we tell you. And I thought, that's fair. That is fair. If you are more important than God, then I'm going to do everything you tell. I didn't tell him that that's what's going on in my spirit, my mind. If you are more important to me than God, absolutely. But you're not. You are not. The man said, who is this man? I said, if you work here, now see, I was a good employee. I was a great employee. I was so good, they wouldn't let nobody else train people to select frozen food but me or to receive frozen food but me because I pull more tonnage than them big boys. Them big boys run out of gas. Little feisty man keep right on going. Can you say, man, big boy with all them muscles eating up all that oxygen? Wind down at the end of the night, get cold in that freezer. <laughs> oh, revved up, boy. Keep on right on going. Amen. They needed me, but they wanted me to be under their control. And they would not allow me the privilege of practicing my faith. And it's not just the Sabbath thing. It's the fact that I needed to be in God's house. I needed the Word of God. And I wanted to worship God. I had a heart for it. It wasn't a, a duty to me. So, I, don't, I felt the Lord. And I, I was sweet. I wasn't mean, Terry. I mean, I felt a little meanness, you know, but I pushed it back down. But I felt righteous indignation. The man says, long as you work here, you're going to do what you're told. And I said, that's fair. I quit. Sweet, kind, fair enough. I'm done. Amen. I'm done. Hey, the man said it. Man got what the man wanted, but he didn't get me. I don't belong to the man. I belong to the Lord. Amen. I belong to a higher one than the superintendent of of this this warehouse. Amen. And you know something? I went to work part-time at a filling station. 
I went to work at a part-time at a filling station. I come home and told my wife, see, we, thank God we both got saved. I come home and told my wife, I said, honey, guess what? She said, what? I said, I quit. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> but when I told her what happened, it rose up in her, and she said, that's fine. God will take care of us. Oh, when you team up together, there's something in it. Hallelujah. I went to work at a gas station. You don't make a lot of gas stations. This is full-service gas station. A lady come in. We, we, we had a $22 a week grocery budget. Oh, think about it. This is way back. This is way back. And my wife had a plastic red clicker with white buttons on it. No computer, nothing electronic. And what you do when you get a 39-cent can of beans, you click that clicker. And by the end, because you know what we were tired of? We were tired of getting to the register and saying, you're $3.75 over. And we look at baby food and we look at milk and we look at pork chops and we say, you know something? We can take them pork chops back. We can eat macaroni and cheese and have the kingdom first. But see, God won't leave you there. Your barns will be filled with plenty. God won't leave you there. Hallelujah. You, you may go there to honor him, but he won't leave you there. Not if the kingdom is first. The lady pulled in the gas station. I hadn't made enough money to pay our little bitty bills and buy groceries. We were $22 grocery budget. I think I had $2 in my pocket. And it was Friday. Amen. <laughs> and the buzzards were circling. No, no, no. No they, no, they were not. No, it wasn't that bad. I'm exaggerating. Forgive me. Amen. I saw four buzzards sitting on a street, street light thing the other day. Went under that street light. And I, honestly, I said where my wife could hear me, I said, not today, boys. Not today. <laughs> You're going to have to wait a while. Amen. A lady pulled in. She filled up a... Oh, it was so... See, back then, money was different than now. Little went a long ways, and it meant meant a lot. She pulled in in a Buick Electra 225. That thing as big as... I think long as all these seats. She pulled in that Buick, and she said, fill her up. And I filled it up, ding, 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 ding. And she paid me in cash. And I was walking back in that little filling station... On a Friday afternoon, she pulled out, went around the block, come back in, pulled up in front of the door, and she said, and I thought I'd forgotten, you know, I checked the air in the tires, I wiped off her windows, I got the bugs off her grill, I checked her oil. I thought, what did I forget? When I went over to the window, she said, I don't know why I'm doing this, and handed me $20. I had two in my pocket and 20 in my hand. We're going... We're going to Felton's. <laughs> we, we, honey, God has provided. God has provided. Hallelujah. God is going to take care of us. 
He's going to make a way where there seems to be no way. That's not a scripture, but there's a lot of scriptures to support that statement. Can you say amen? And God began to make a way and 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 make a way. And the next thing you know, I'm working for Tampa Electric. Working for Tampa Electric, I don't have no work shoes. I tell you, see, see, when you put him first, you may go down to the bottom before he brings you up. But once he brings you up, you're not under man's control anymore. Can you say, man, you're under God's control and God is still honored. My stepdad had a pair of cowboy boots a size and a half bigger than me. He was a John Wayne type of guy. He wore them big pointed cowboy boots. My toes did not come to the end. So I took newspaper, crumbled it up, and pushed it into the toe so that the toe didn't curl up. And I looked like a tinkerbell. Can you say amen? And I put on them and didn't rub a blister, more importantly, on the back of my heel. And don't call me tinkerbell after this. I know you're, I know you, Sean. Already got somebody calling me Mary Poppins. Amen. Because I use an umbrella so I don't get wet and melt. I wore them to work thanking God for a job at Tampa Electric Company. In them old cowboy boots. Had to get down in a ditch with a shovel. <laughs> where water was laying underground pipe. Got down in that ditch. And, and they got wet. And the, they were old anyway. And they, the sole came loose. Started to flap. I went to the truck and plenty of electrical tape. I put my foot up there, and man, I used a, I used a roll of tape on both boots. Had big old black, thick red electrical tape, but I was able to come back to work with that electrical tape on my boots. Thanking God, kingdom is still first. God's still on the throne. We're still eating. We're still paying our bills. Amen. I haven't moved up with Tampa Electric, but, but God is on the throne. I wore those boots in. I wore them for three days. And a guy that had just got out of the army about six or eight months before and got on at Tampa Electric, both of us on that crew, he says, he followed me to the parking lot. And he said, Bob, Robert, he said, those old boots look like they've had their best day. I said, yeah. They, they're. I said, I, I taped them up. I guess you noticed. Well, I'm sure everybody noticed. This is this is this is redneck work shoes. Can you say man? <laughs> Hallelujah. He said he said, Would you be offended? He said, I brought them in my trunk, but I was hesitant whether to give it to you or not. Would you be offended if I gave you a pair of boots? I said, No, no, sir, I would not be offended. He said, when I mustered out I had a pair of army jump boots. He said, they lace up, they, they, I'm telling you, those, and they were brand new. Oh, they were lovely. He brought me those shoes. Amen. I didn't want him to see me cry. I, I waited till he pulled out. I was still sitting in my car. Tears started streaming. I said, Lord, I want to thank you. I want to thank you. I haven't belly ached. I haven't begged. I haven't whined and I haven't complained. But I have worshipped you and I have praised you and I'm going to continue to do so. But Lord, I sure do thank you for these boots today. I was shouting happy. Hallelujah. Walking around in those brand new boots. And then another thing happened two weeks later. I had been working there for a while. 
And I was operating the machine and driving the truck at the digger that digs the, the holes for the conduit to go in for the Tampa International Airport. When it was being built, I was working over there. That's a long time ago. Amen. And the, the, the union steward came up to me and he said, are they paying you for operating that machine? I said, no, but that's just fine. I'm learning how to operate it. I'm, I'm doing fine. He said, come with me. We walked into the superintendent's office. He said, this man has been working here, and he isn't getting operator pay for operating that machine. I didn't say a word. I'm just. He said, he isn't. Well, he should be getting it. He said, yeah, but he isn't getting it. He said, well, if he should be getting it, we ought to see that he get it, right? And the guy said, that's right. And suddenly, I jumped from a laborer to an equipment operator. And I didn't have to even bid on the job because I was doing the job. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're showing me. You're letting me see if I will honor you, you will indeed care for me. And I don't have to compromise for you to care for me. Hallelujah. The man says, oh, I don't like that to this day. And it's not about pride. It isn't, honestly isn't, it's about God and where He is in my life. No man is going to take His place. The fear of man bringeth a snare, sets a trap. Ah, but the fear of God will set you free. Hallelujah. The honor, the reverence for the Lord. I went to the top step, five years with Tico. I went to the top step pay of equipment operator. No equipment operator with no time made more than me. You know why? And I never bid on the job. And I never was officially an equipment operator. But I topped out with pay without ever having to make a bid because a lot of people had seniority, but I was just doing the job every day. And I went from operating a digger to operating a line truck to operating every piece of equipment they had and driving every truck they had in the yard. Hallelujah. Amen. Until linemen wanted me on their crew. We'd go out on call-outs. And I was the equipment operator in lightning, rain. We're sitting a transformer between high-powered lines. A lineman's up there. If I should touch that line and shake that pole while doing it, I can put him in a world of trouble. <laughs> Amen. And I would, I would get it up there and get it set. And blinding rain hit me. <laughs> and I would say, Lord Jesus, help me. To, to do this and not get anybody harmed and get this job done in the name of Jesus Christ. I would pray like that. I would sit that transformer on there after praying. That lineman hollered down and said, Good job, Bob! Said that thing's just like it had eyes. It went in there. In other words, you sit it down so gingerly, it's like it had eyes of its own. Then after a while, when they had a call out, they said, we want him on our crew. And somebody finally come, Sean, and they said, you prayed, didn't you? And I said, yes, I did. Amen. And God heard and God answered. See, God's getting the glory. God's getting the honor. God is getting the praise. So I ain't too proud to beg, but I didn't have to beg when I put the kingdom first. Isn't that good news? You don't have to beg if you put the kingdom first. God will find a way. Men <laughs> will give unto your bosom. People will give. Even non-Christians 
God commanded birds to feed a prophet. God commanded a widow woman. She didn't even realize. So the commanded blessing. Can we preach on that sometime? The commanded blessing. I'll command the blessing on your storehouse. I'm going to tell you something. When God commands, ain't nothing going to stop it but your lack of faith and your lack of obedience. That's the only thing that could ever stop it. So I want to be full of faith and obey Him so that the command will stand. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Is anybody here, is this okay? Does God deserve that kind of honor? Does the kingdom need to be first? What did Paul say? Are you angry at me because I tell you the truth? Are you getting upset with me for telling you the truth? The only thing that will ever set you free is the truth. Nothing less than the truth. But the truth will if it's applied. Oh, I'm so glad for Jesus today. I'm so glad for the King that I serve. He's worthy of being first in your life and mine. And in this Holy Communion today, we're honoring the Lord for going to the cross. It's where we reestablish that rightful place of Jesus in our life. Jesus doesn't just demand to be first. He deserves to be first. Can everyone amen that truth today? Brother Taylor, would you come as they serve us Holy Communion? And then we're going to wait. Yes, come for the offering. Then, then they're going to serve us. Amen. Is that just a command, a demand? Or do you honestly believe that God deserves that kind of commitment in light of what He's done in our behalf? Does he deserve that? And would you consider loving him to that degree, not because it is commanded, but because it's the only requisite way to love him back for the way that he's loved us? And if he isn't Lord of all today, would you consider, and this is not a beg, I'm not putting it in those terms, would you honestly consider putting him back where he needs to be in your life. Don't let some past experience speak for where we are right now. I'm going to ask this before we receive communion. Is Jesus Lord of all? Is God in first place in your heart and in your life? If He is, will you express that by honoring Him with the first fruits and not the leftovers of your life? Changes will have to be made to do that. You can't just go on in the same mode. Priorities are going to have to be re-examined and changes must occur because it's not what we feel at some given moment. It's what we do that constitutes repentance. It begins with feeling, conviction. It's responded to. 
by turning around and going in a different direction. God wants to lead us, guide us, bless us. And He wants it to begin in our spirit before it overflows into our life. And if you've got all your toys and all your indulgences at the expense of honoring Him, you are an unhappy Christian. You are unfulfilled, and therefore you are unfaithful. And God doesn't need my leftovers. And I will not offer them to Him because I reverence Him too much. So to name the name of Christ is a cheap way of claiming to honor Him. It is told in our devotion, not our emotion at a church service or an evangelistic meeting or a gospel sing. There are people drifting away from God sitting in this room right now, and you're unconcerned about that. It doesn't seem to bother you anymore, and that's how dangerous ground that you are on. You are unbothered while drifting. Unconcerned. Unmoved by the Holy Spirit. That's how far you've drifted. It can't convict you anymore. Wouldn't it be awful to be headed toward a falls over a precipice and have a rope thrown to you from someone on the bank that you could grab a hold of to pull you away from that danger and be so unconcerned about what's about to happen to your life that you fail to grab the rope and allow someone to pull you back to safety. The Holy Spirit is throwing a rope to somebody in this audience because you're on dangerous ground. You don't even realize it. You think, anytime I want to, I can come back to that devoted place in my life. The problem is you don't want to yet, and that should bring a red flag and wave it high. The problem is you don't want to. Because the heart begins to harden. The softness leaves. The joy of the Lord is gone. You know what's happening in this audience right now? Because you know what's happening here right now? Holy Ghost conviction. Because you can't take those leftovers anymore and offer them to God to appease a conscience that God is trying to awaken. Awake to righteousness and sin not. And that's when God can cause our conscience to be alerted. Conviction to take a hold. And it is a loving act of God. It's not a finger pointing at you. It's a hand reaching out to you to pull you close to himself and away from danger and deception. There's a way that seems right and it can be religiously enough. This is enough. I got enough. I don't need it anymore. I don't need to do this. I'm okay. They need it, but I'm okay. Don't ever question me. Somebody needs to question you. You're not exempt. 
exempt. I want somebody to question me if I'm drifting. I want to be in a service where I'm challenged so I can be changed. There will never be revival. Never be revival. No matter how anointed the Word is, how present the Holy Spirit is, where people are dishonoring God. No evangelist can break that. All an evangelist can do is pray that people will change their mind about their priorities and about where God is going to be in all of their activities, what place He is going to hold and what place He is going to have. Because He will not be relegated to what's left after we indulge ourselves. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, as we receive Holy Communion, we are told to search ourselves. And if there's sin anywhere, they came and they turned it into a banquet. They brought bottles of wine, loaves of bread. Self-indulgence had so consumed them that even in the holy ordinance of Holy Communion, they wanted to still serve themselves. They didn't even wait for one another to gather. Their own fleshly appetites consumed them. They didn't even start the meal with prayer and wait for one another or bow their head. They just started gobbling down the food and guzzling down the wine. And at that moment, the blessing of it all turned into a cursing. Turned into a cursing. He said, you're not drinking now. He said, listen, you're drinking damnation. You're not drinking something's going to help you. You're drinking something's going to hurt you now with that attitude of dishonoring God because you don't discern the Lord's body. And we're not just talking about the brethren alone. We're talking about the Holy One that's in the midst of us. This is holy stuff. You can't eat at the table of devils and it's just the table of the Lord. You have to make a clean break with sin and self to come to God's table. Can't blend the holy and the profane. Woe to those that call evil good and good evil and put light for darkness and darkness for light. It won't blend. Listen to me carefully. This is heartbreaking and heartrending to me. But this caused many of you are sick. I don't understand it, Lord. You're Jehovah Rapha. I don't understand it. Well, here's some help to understand it. Am I quoting from your Bible? Is this in your Bible? Is this serious? Then we need to be serious about it. I may not shout across the floor this morning, but if you don't get this, you may be in trouble today. Don't get so excited over my shout that you miss the message from God. Can you say amen? Some people, all they get is the shout of the preacher. You need to get the message that God is sending. For this cause, many of you are sick, and not only are you sick, but you're not going to get well either. Many of you sleep. 
You know what that is in the Greek? It means to die before your time. Lazarus only sleepeth. Amen. Because he was going to wake him up. But he was dead physically. Many of you are sick and many of you are going to die. Being a Christian and having a covenant isn't going to make a bit of difference unless you honor God. Unless you reverence the presence of God. God comes on a burning bush, you better take your shoes off, Moses. You better react to the holy presence that you're in. You can't just stand there in your flesh and not do some act of reverence. Our God is not going to talk to you out of that bush. And God's not going to manifest to you. Can you say amen? We talk about the anointing in this church and the anointing on me and the presence of God that is here. Well, that demands a response. He said, when my presence comes, not only is it on the bush, but the ground around the bush is sanctified by my presence. Suddenly that ground, old earth, becomes holy. God comes on a mountain, what happens? When God manifests on a mountain, what happens? The mountain shakes, the mountain quakes, fire burns on the top of it. And they, they, put, they put guards around the perimeter of the mountain, Mount Sinai. And even if a rabbit touches the base of the mountain, they kill the rabbit. Because he's violating sacred holy ground. Now the Bible isn't holy anymore. It's a book that you, that you get 18 different translations and some of them so loose they don't even compare to the original anymore. To sell the books at the bookstore. Dumb it down so that we don't see the dangers and we don't see the error and we don't see the deceptions and we don't fear the Lord anymore. Can you say, man? Dumb it down! Honey, if we're going to answer to God for everything He put in that book, I want to hear the book. I want to hear the original. I want to hear the truth. I don't want to play church. I don't want to be around people that want to play church. If you don't want to honor God, you can't hang with me. If you don't want to reverence God's presence, you can't hang with me. We have no basis for fellowship. Can you say man? If in your home He isn't Lord... If your house isn't a house where God has the preeminence, what makes you think your kids are going to follow Christ when they get out of there? He has no real value there. And suddenly we're going to give Him value on Sunday. Suddenly He's going to be precious on Sunday. Suddenly He's going to be on the throne on Sunday going to make it okay with God? He's a pushover. No, he isn't. No, he isn't. He loved Israel. They were his choice, peculiar of all the people of the earth. But when they were wrong, it led them to chastisement. It led them. Do you know what the chastisement was, the worst of it? Their enemies that could have never touched them and never hurt them. Prevailed over them, defeated them in battle, and made them slaves. Satan is still making slaves out of those who are supposed to be servants of the Most High God. God said, when you move, no more junk for Jesus. No more leftovers for Jesus. I'd rather have five people that honor God than 50 people that don't care one way or the other. Amen. 
Don't care about his servant. Don't care about his service. Don't care about his house. Don't care about nothing to do with his work. It's all self-indulgence. What's in it for me? If I have something left, I will consider whether that leftover will be of my time. In my, see, get the money out of your mind. We're talking about your heart right now. God gets your heart. He gets everything else in order. But if he don't have your heart, it's, it'll always be out of order. Can you say, man, Terry, I don't want, I don't want to preach to people who don't care anymore. I don't want to try to teach people who've lost their first love and are unconvicted and don't care. Never come to an altar. Never make an altar at home. Never sit down and have a discussion. What are we going to do about God and where He is in our life? How many believe that needs to be a topic of family discussion in our homes? Where does God fit in? Oh, He's the Lord. He's the Lord. Oh, really? Why callest thou me Lord and not do what I say? God won't have it. God won't have it. And us poor old pitiful desperate preachers afraid to preach the truth. Afraid people won't come and people won't support so we can get up in our suits and soothe them and salve them on Sunday morning. I'd rather go back to work at 70. God give me the strength I will if it becomes necessary. It ain't necessary now because God's going to make a way. Can you say man? Everybody ain't going to go with us and that's okay. Everybody shouldn't be with us. It's not fair that a few people love him and serve him and everybody else get the blessing of their commitment. It's wrong. And I'm not begging. I'm just telling you no more junk for Jesus. All you got to junk for Jesus, please keep it home. Keep that sick cow at your house. Eat him for supper. Can you say amen? I said keep that sick cow at your house. Don't bring it to God's altar. God don't want it. It would dishonor him. It would be better you give him nothing. Than to give him something that's worth nothing. As if you can fool him. You can't treat God that way. We got a man back here. He's a psalmist. The devil don't want to ever have him use his talent. Wants to sit on his back and beat him over the head. But there's a psalmist sitting here. He can take something from the Word of God and put it just like David did. He can put it to music. He's got a gift from God. We got a man right here. You know what Brother Hobbs said? He said, you need to turn that boy loose. He called you boy. One day you'll appreciate that. <laughs> Hobbs heard you talking, ending up preaching over there at Pastor's Appreciation last year. He said, you need to turn that boy loose. He got something to say for God, and he does. Hallelujah. And the devil's going to stay on him because if enough of us out here with something to say for God that are God called, not mama sent, can you say amen? God called and anointed of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hell is going to have a problem with us. The Word of God is going to be like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces and 
instead of some little soothing sermonette on Sunday morning. We're going to hear something of the spirit and power of Elijah that's going to turn the hearts of the children back to the fathers and the hearts of the fathers back to the children before that great and terrible day of the Lord. We're going to have some young people stand up in college in the face of the professor and say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. And we have free speech. So I'm going to declare it. Hallelujah. Fail me if you want to. Don't care what the man says. It's what God says that matters. And God will not let you do without. That's why He gave me strength at 50 to stack ice cream. He met the need. And I felt kind of good. Because I went from 212 pounds to 165 pounds and it was all muscle. And I didn't have to go to no spa or no gym. (laughs) You stand at the end of a conveyor for eight hours a day. (laughs) I was in 37 degrees before it went to the flash freezer. And I was sweating. (laughs) I was sweating in 37 degrees. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. One day I come out of there. Stepped up on that scale. And and by the way, I was eating all ice cream I could hold, too. (laughs) So you know I was burning some calories. I stepped up on that scale and said, Rev, why don't you weigh yourself? I said, well, I I really didn't want to because I was 212 pounds when I started. I stepped up on that scale and it went to 165 pounds with my boots on. I could put on my jeans and snap them. Belt, I didn't need no stinking belt. Can you say? <laughs> Hallelujah. I had a Dunlop belly. My belly Dunlop over my belt. Can you say? <laughs> I, I thought, Lord, not only have you met my needs, let me preach every single Sunday without missing one, but, but I'm physically fit on top of that. Physically fit, spiritually committed, <laughs> and financially secure. Because God's kingdom is first in my life. Hallelujah. And today as you receive Holy Communion, I implore you, make Jesus Lord. Put the kingdom first. Because the king deserves nothing less. When he took the bread and broke it, they didn't get it, but we get it today. Oh, how we get it today took them some months to really get it, maybe even years, but we get it today. This is my body, and it's broken for you. That's why it deserves place. You may eat the bread. Then he walked to the table and picked up the cup and he astonished them again. This is the blood of the new covenant that is shed for the sins of many. As often as you drink this cup, you declare, openly proclaim as the word, the Lord's death till he come. We declare today that we are saved because of your broken body and the pouring out of your blood. And Lord, we thank you from the bottom of our heart. You may drink the cup.
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Shela Mariondo de Mosanda Namasitia. Kela Barushala Masata. Your body is the temple of who? Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean that you just qualify to speak in tongues and have spiritual gifts. That means that the holiest ones of heaven have come to indwell you and me. And the Bible said, keep it. Since God lives in you now, you've got to treat it different than you did when you were a sinner and self-ruled you and Satan had you. You could violate your body. You could commit sins against your body. And the only repercussions were health and mental. He had you spiritually blinded and bound. But now there's a change come. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost and the God of glory. The Holy One dwells in you. That's how clean the blood has made you. But along with that abiding presence comes a responsibility for what you do with that body. It said to you as a Christian, join yourself to a harlot. If you decide to compromise and go out and, and lay with a harlot. Am I quoting scripture correctly? Is that in the New Testament? You join Christ. He meant it when he said, I'll never leave you. You go in the bar, you're taking him with you. You're going in there to witness, that's just fine. But if you're going in there to fraternize and blend and compromise. And we got Christians doing it. My son just about died. He just about killed himself with alcohol. Two times I had him to the hospital with alcohol poisoning. Almost died. One time Baker acted him to the mineral ward because he wanted to kill himself because of the bondage he was in and didn't feel he could ever change or get out of it. I know where sin will take you. I know what it is to have a rebel heart and watch where it will lead in a life. Whoever defiles the temple, since it's the temple of God now, This is not sinless perfection. I'm talking about not acting like we can have all of this and the world too. Whoever defiles the temple. Whoever, am I in your Bible? People looking at me like I'm preaching some hard message you've never heard. Or where did he get that? Or is he trying to make me feel bad? No, I'm trying to get you back on track. You're off the rails and God wants you back where he can keep you safe. He that defiles the temple shall, shall what? Shall who? Is this about the devil now? Is this about your enemies? Or is this is your relationship to God? Can you just dishonor Him as if there's no responsibility, no accountability? You can talk in tongues one day, defile the temple the next day, and everything will work out? Me and Jesus got our own thing going? No, that's a country song about quenching conviction after a sinful night. 
My body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. If I go Saturday night to Ebo City, and I go to a club, and I shoot up and I drink up, and I go home with a woman that isn't my wife, and I lay with her, I'm going to tell you something. I can come to church on Sunday morning. Read the story of Samson. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Don't mistake sensing the presence and power of God through the anointing as God saying what you did is okay and there's no repercussions. Jimmy Swagger was preaching in the pulpit and people come into Christ while he was visiting a harlot. Strong anointing. No decrease in the anointing. But be sure, to me and to you, to him and to everybody else, your sin will find you out. And if he had continued down that road, I don't believe he would be alive today because the Bible said you can't do that and live. Many of you are sick with a covenant of healing. Many of you are dying before you live out your time because you're treating the holy with the irreverence and disrespect that it deserves and demands. And once your body becomes the temple of the Holy Ghost and he comes to live in that temple... The game has changed. This once in grace, always in grace. God can't see through the blood stuff. You can't apply that to this. Those same people say when you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. God comes to live in you and Christ is in you, the hope of glory. Well, you can't have it both ways. Come on, you can't have it both ways. You can't have sin without consequences because of grace, because of the Holy One. Come on, do you understand what I'm saying clearly today? People are buying into that because they want to live in their sin. It's 1.30. I don't feel like we've been here long enough. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I want you to know when we move, you'll have to decide whether you go with us or not. But I'm telling you right now, no more junk for Jesus. If you don't want to follow Him, just stay at the house or find a compromised church. Don't come where we preach. Amen. Come on. Don't come where we preach. I hope you all come because I want to see you safe. In the arms of God. I want to see you kept by the power of God. I want to see you loving God with all your heart. So the world can't tempt you or take you away from Him. Hallelujah. 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 Woo! I feel His favor. <laughs> I don't have a whole lot of smiles right now. But I do feel God's favor. Praise the Lord. Will you stand today? Let's give Him praise. I'm going to ask you again. How many people in this room believe there's room in your life for God to have a better, higher place? I'm not saying He don't have a place. I'm talking about to have a better, higher place. Is there room? Is there room? Is there room? Is there room? If there is, He's coming to take that place. And if there's anything on the throne that ought not be, He's going to shove it off the throne because you just told Him you want Him to sit there. You've given Him permission to come in and clean house. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. I said God will come in and clean us up. Glory to God if we just open the door and give him the permission that he needs. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Let's close with this song. May I never lose it, because if I do, I will drift. May I never lose the wonder.
of the cross.